You're tuning in to the Welcome to Motherhood podcast, the series that helps to make motherhood easier, one podcast at a time. I'm your host, Natasha Suttle, mum of four, midwife, educator, terrible housewife, and huge advocate for ditching the mum guilt. Find advice for all your motherhood questions from birth onwards. So here we go, let's get into it. So today I have a brilliant guest coming up, the amazing Susie Prout. Susie is a midwife like myself, but she's also a lactation consultant, business owner, and mum of three. She provides support to mothers via online and email consults and helps set them up for a more positive breastfeeding journey with simple and easy to understand advice and tips, which I'm all about. I love that. I am super excited to chat to Susie today and really knuckle down on some key areas where I want her advice so you can all get that little bit more insight into this breastfeeding journey that you're going through. So firstly, Susie, thank you so much for joining me today. You're most welcome. I'm really excited to yeah, be chatting with you. Awesome. So let's get this little quick fire interview rolling. Firstly, Susie, welcome. And again, thanks again for coming on. We're going to get right into it. As with all my podcast episodes, I try and cater for the time poor mother who doesn't have much time to listen. So I try and jam yeah. as much knowledge and info into about 20 minutes or so. So we've got to try and contain our chatter. And you've got two midwives here trying to chat on a podcast. We're going to have to rein ourselves in because we're not going to keep on going. (laughs) I guess questions I want to ask you wise, the first and probably the most obvious question for our listeners out there is what was it that made you want to become a lactation consultant? Okay. So firstly, I never thought that I would be a lactation consultant. I never had any interest in it at all. When I first became a midwife, it was before I had children and I really liked the labor ward, labor and birth. I liked the crazy adrenaline and I found once the baby was born and then it was time to teach mum to breastfeed, I found that really quite boring (laughs) and um, I thought, oh gosh, you know. I'm very similar. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I never really thought until I then had my first son, um, gosh, over six years ago now and realized that it's really hard. Breastfeeding is really hard and we don't get the education that we really need to get in pregnancy. We're very focused on the birth. That's just natural because even myself would always think about the birth, even though I was a midwife, I always thought about my kids' births. But we don't get ourselves prepared for breastfeeding. And breastfeeding is, for a lot of women, harder than birth. And it goes for a lot longer. Birth you know, goes for a few hours and Absolutely. breastfeeding can go for years. So that's when I became really interested in it. And yeah, then just went from there. And now I still keep up my midwife registration with labor and birth, but um, this is definitely my passion. Wow, that's so awesome. I was giggling along when you said about, you know, really enjoying the hustle and bustle and the high intensity of the labor ward and not really enjoying the postnatal breastfeeding side of it because I am exactly the same. I was exactly the same. And now I'm all about, no, we need to just educate mums postnatally. And it's like my biggest drive. And I always have an internal giggle that rewind when I first graduated that was not what I was saying <laughs> that was not what no I was ways saying. yeah my colleagues so I know yeah, for exactly. me and one of the real reasons um I really wanted to drill down on really some specific info with you because it comes up a lot and I haven't touched this in my podcast as yet and I know you have looked at I know that you've looked at this in your podcast and I wanted to tap into all your knowledge bank 
is low supply. And I want to know, a lot of times you hear mums talk about, they get to a point and they say, I've got low supply, I can't breastfeed, or so-and-so's got low supply, or four months I've got low supply. That low supply term, always thrown around. So what are your main breastfeeding tips when mums are worried and tossing around that, you know, I've got low supply? Low supply is now considered the biggest reason for women to stop breastfeeding prematurely and for not for because they wanted to to stop breastfeeding. It was because they felt that they didn't have the supply there, which is really sad because a lot of it is myths. So I would say when you are worried about your supply, don't look at the amount of feeds and the frequency and and how long you're feeding for, how short you're feeding for. That is a quite a poor reason for looking at if you actually have enough milk in your breast for your baby, because babies, some of them will feed and drain a breast in seven minutes, uh, five to seven minutes, and that's completely fine. And other babies will take 20 minutes to drain a breast. So it's very, very individual. And some babies like to snack feed, which means they're going to be feeding a lot more often. And some babies are happy to do those really big feeds and then have a bit of a break in between. And also a lot of mums will say, my baby is unsettled. So they must not be having enough milk. And I get that a lot. Yes, having not enough milk would make your baby unsettled, but there's many other reasons for your baby to be unsettled. They could be a colicky reflux baby or just could be their temperament. And looking at your breasts and how they feel and when you first had your baby and then your milk came in, you would had those really engorged full breasts and then that just all calms down and women feel that they can't have enough milk because their breast doesn't feel like it it has enough milk in it. And we know that that is a huge myth as well. The other thing is mums looking at how their baby sleeps. So their baby is a poor sleeper. They think that they're waking up all the time because they're hungry. And we know as well that that isn't necessarily a reason. So when I get all of these reasons thrown at me in my consults, I first of all, we'll look at the baby's weight. So if your baby was born at four kgs or if your baby was born at three kgs, we can't then expect those two separate babies to follow the same percentile and the same growth throughout their first year of life. Obviously, the baby that was born at three or two and a half kgs is going to be on a lower percentile on the graph than a baby who was born at at the upper end. So it's looking at your baby and looking at if they're following the percentile right for them. So if they were born on the 50th percentile, are they kind of continuing on that 50th percentile, maybe dropping a bit and maybe going up a bit, but in general kind of tracking along there? Yes, if you've got a baby who's born on the 50th, then down to the 30th, then down to the 10th, then yes, we are looking at a weight milk supply issue there. That reason, the reason for is your baby doing enough uh, wet and dirty nappies? So when I say that, I mean with wet nappies, they're going to be really soaked five to six times in 24 hours and they're going to be a clear or, you know, just a really light colored urine. And is your baby pooing every day as well in those early days? So I look at those three things and um, the development of your baby as well, but certainly not how your baby is feeding. So that would be my biggest tip. 
it's such good stuff to note because you hear the same things all the time. I mean, I before um, becoming a midwife, my first two children were born, and I remember when I had my first, and I actually um, talked about this in an episode I released recently, is that I had my first, I had very minimal knowledge. I put very minimal knowledge into, you know, I just thought I'll just breastfeed, it'll be fine. I had yeah. issues with... I had the other end though, she was losing weight and she didn't have good output and so forth. But my midwife at the time literally gave me a formula sachet and said, try this. And it worked. Mm-hmm. And I then stopped breastfeeding. I tried for quite yeah. a few weeks, but I did have issues with weight loss and things like that with her. So there obviously was something else going on, but my support network was here. Here's some formula. And that then shaped my, I mean, I had two children before becoming a midwife and even two after even though I did end up having a bit of a low supply issue, that very first experience with breastfeeding was tapped out really quickly with it's an issue, here's some formula. And that was all the support. So it it totally shapes how you go forward. I mean, I was 22 at the time. It was like, of course. And then she slept and then she started putting away. I was like, this is the only way I can feed my child. So it's amazing how little things and little comments even from healthcare providers can absolutely shape what mum's perception is and people always talk in Facebook parenting groups are probably rife with it. Someone puts a comment, my baby's not settled or my baby's a bit grumpy and no one says, oh, it might be their temperament. Everyone says, oh, they're probably hungry. Have you tried yeah. formula? You know, are your breasts full? No. Oh my gosh, you have no milk. Um, so it's one of the yeah. things we really need to keep talking about the difference between true issues with supply versus what's just normal and what your baby is still growing, they're still weeing, they're obviously hydrated. (laughs) So I do think this is such an important thing to talk about. I guess with regards to the breastfeeding journey, what are the main points in the journey, like I guess for the weeks or months or over the journey, what are the main times that people like flag or put their hand up to you and say, hey, I've got no milk or I don't have enough milk? Yeah, there are quite a few. So firstly, when your baby is born until your milk comes in, a lot of girls don't realize that you have quite a few days there, especially with your first baby where your milk is not in. And so what I mean by that is you have the colostrum, which is the that you've made when you're pregnant. And that is a very rich honey-like sticky substance, which is really filling for your baby. And it's a perfect starter milk for them but your breasts aren't going to be feeling full. Your baby's only going to be getting small amounts of that. So they're going to be wanting to feed more frequently, more frequently until your mature milk starts to come in. So in those first few days, lots of girls will say, my baby's hungry. I don't feel like I'm getting any milk. When is my milk going to come in? And luckily most girls at that point still have, they're either in hospital or they still have quite a lot of support from their hospital midwife or their community midwife at home. So in those first few days, most girls will get through that with the midwife saying, well, this is your colostrum. Um, We'll weigh your baby, say at day four, and we'll look at what's going on then. And then the milk will slowly start to come in. And yes, some girls will have a delay in milk supply, especially when you've got girls who, it's your first baby, you've had a a hard birth, you've had a long birth, you've had a cesarean section. Um, if a baby's not attaching well to the breast, so you're not stimulating your breast to make milk, then yes, we can definitely get a delay in milk supply then. But those first few days, some girls expecting to wake up the next day after they've had their baby and have milk, you know, right there. Yeah, and they're um, like, what's going on? It's not there. 
Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of girls always think, oh, I'm, I'm meant to wake up and I'm going to have these, you know, Pamela Anderson boobs, but some girls don't have that. I certainly with my kids, I never woke up and just suddenly had all this milk. So there's a bit of a myth in the community that you have to wake up and just have these rock solid boobs. And in reality, if you're feeding well and you're draining your breasts regularly and through the night, you're not really meant to be waking up in the morning with those boobs anyway. So it's a bit of a big myth, that one. So true. Um, And then I normally will start getting calls around the three-week mark when babies start to wake up. So often babies will be really sleepy and lovely and easy in the first few weeks. And then they start to wake up and become more alert and want to stay awake a bit longer and start becoming a bit fussy. And if a baby was going to get colic or have reflux, usually around the three to four week mark is when that will kind of kick in. And so as soon as your baby changes in their temperament, a mother automatically thinks she doesn't have enough milk. And on top of that, in those first few weeks, you might have engorgement and a lot of leaking while you're body is trying to work out how much milk to make for your baby. But over after a few weeks, your body's kind of got the hang of it and your body's making a bit less milk, um, the right amount for your baby. So you firstly, you've got a baby who's woken up and is unsettled and doesn't want to just um, sleep for hours on you. And then you've also got your boobs who are not, who, that's not feeling very full. You're not seeing leaking all the time. And then alarm bells go in a girl's mind and straight away they're like, right, I don't have enough milk now. So that's that's another one. And the other main one I would get would be at around four months, you'd get the four-month sleep regression. So probably you've had four kids, you'd know what I mean by that. fun time, that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> four months is suddenly your baby decides, oh, no, I'm not going to sleep and feed, sleep and feed at night. I'm going to feed and then wake up for a bit and cry and not want to go back down for hours in the night and then mums are automatically thinking, right, my baby's not happy at night. It's not getting enough milk. Yeah, um, it's always the milk's fault. Everything that happens with your baby all- in the first six months is literally yeah. always the fault of not having enough milk or you've eaten something that's irritated the baby. Like it's yes. always the fault of the milk. Always the fault. And I also find when mums start to express and then they look at what the milk looks like and it could look a bit watery compared to like a creamy formula looking bottle, um, automatically their milk is of poor quality, which is so sad because it's just couldn't be further from the truth. But we've got a lot of that going on in the community as well. And then probably the last one would be when babies are having solids and they're starting to have quite a lot of solids, maybe getting to around the nine month mark, your milk will naturally start to decline because you're not feeding as much, which is just normal. And that's just what is meant to happen. Um, and your baby doesn't want to feed as much or for not as long, and they're more interested in solids. There's another time then when mums will call me and say, I don't have enough milk. My baby doesn't like the taste of it or it's changing. And in reality, you probably don't have the same amount of milk at that time, but it's just normal. It's just, and, it's and just the way nature intended. Yeah, yeah, and that's what you need. Like you say, they're, if they're eating more, you will reduce on the milk that you're, you know, you're providing for your baby. So it's a really interesting point that you mentioned, though, about that in the first few days, mums always, I mean, it's really common as a midwife that mums don't think they have enough milk or it hasn't come in fast enough. But the, the factor that keeps them breastfeeding is because they have that midwifery input to say it's normal. 
they then get released yeah. to the community and a few weeks later they potentially aren't even seeing a midwife as such so when they have an issue then it's so easy to just think it's the milk again this is where I need to stop or they don't have someone potentially working alongside them to explain the reasons as to why so it's really interesting that we see a lot of people like most mums unless they've chosen not to breastfeed will leave their you know midwifery care period whether it's a few days or a couple of weeks still breastfeeding but when they release that care and they don't have that anymore those concerns come up they don't have someone unless they've chosen to engage with lactation to actually reassure them what's normal so it's so important that mums have a bit more of this knowledge especially around supply um apart from supply because we've we've talked about that inside and out what are the other yeah. main concerns that you find that are really common? So for mums listening that are going to go, oh my gosh, that's me. And um, what are the other main concerns that you deal with? Okay. So the earlier on, the main concern would be pain. So your nipples are too sore to breastfeed. And that could be because you have sensitive nipples and you're always going to have a bit of sensitivity there and it's it's working through that. Or it could be that your attachment is off and you've got some cuts, some grazes, um, just some pressure points there that is really painful. So if you do have painful nipples and it's really sore for attachment and once your baby's been on for about 10 seconds or so and the pain doesn't subside, then we need to have a look at that. So often girls will say it's really sore when my baby's popped on, but it's actually quite normal in the first few weeks Um, your nipples are not used to being sucked on, you know, and babies have a really strong suck. If they are a little bit sensitive to begin with, you're going to have a little bit of pain there. But the main thing is the pain should subside within the first 10 seconds or so of breastfeeding. And often girls will think that the pain is not normal if it's just like a drawing out pulling pain, but that is actually probably quite normal and it's just getting used to it. We don't want like the pinchy pain. Um, We don't want a sharp pain, but sometimes that drawing out pain is just the feeling of a baby sucking on the breast and you can just kind of get used to that. But pain is definitely my, um, it would be that and, and low supply or oversupply are my reasons for consults, I would say. And then the other concerns that girls have is the time that breastfeeding takes. So they have in their mind that when their milk comes in, they'll be able to just do feeds three hourly, four hourly, 10 minutes on one side, 10 minutes on the other side, and then pop your baby down. And then when they realize that breastfeeding also has cluster feeding, which is feeding on, off, on, off, on, off for quite a few hours in the evening, which is just normal newborn behavior, but it takes a lot to get used to and to get your head around that really stresses some girls out and they automatically will go to my baby's not happy with my milk or why is my baby not happy just to have feed and and be off me for a little while. And that then turns into the whole demand feeding in that we talk about demand feeding a lot, but we don't get into the nitty gritty of what demand feeding really is. So demand feeding could be my baby wants to feed at 10 o'clock in the morning and then might fall asleep for 45 minutes and then wake up and want to go back on for another whole lot of time. And then it might have a really good sleep for three hours, but then we'll want to feed half hourly, hourly for the rest of the afternoon and you can't cook dinner and you can't sort out anything in the house. And there's no rhyme or reason to demand feeding, especially in the early days. And I wish that we could 
get our heads around just normal feeding because girls would feel a lot more satisfied with their breastfeeding if they knew what to expect and that this was normal and that we were all going through this. So it is tricky because you've been there and I've been there with with my three with breastfeeding. It is a huge task to undertake. And so it's not for everyone and that's fine as well. But to to understand how breast milk works, how demand feeding, how supply and demand works and all of that, it's huge for a new mum to understand. And it's just knowing, like you say, knowing what's normal. And I think we throw around these terms like, you know, the low supply or the demand feeding or cluster feeding, but actually educating exactly like you said, educating on what that actually means and when it's an issue and when it's not an issue. And I think that we often, I mean, we're probably guilty of it too as midwives if we're poor on time or even visiting postnatally and we say to someone, do you know about cluster feeding? And they say, yes. Do we then actually go further and say, you know, to clarify that they actually do understand the nitty gritty or do we just kind of mentally know that we've got so many things to talk about and they've got only so much they can take on with their, you know, sleep deprived new mum of two days brain that we, are we actually really yeah. educating people on these are the total, this is a totally normal journey you're going to take. So don't worry. And, and then when to worry. So I totally agree. Um, yeah, I agree with everything, everything there. It's a lot of it comes down to people really knowing what's normal. Yeah. When, you have new mums that have come to you and they've got trouble having trouble breastfeeding and they're contemplating actually they've come to you at a point where they're like I'm about to give up what's um, yeah. of the key I mean I know for, it probably happens for a lot of different reasons but what are some of the key things that stick in your mind advice wise that you give mums when they're in this headspace okay so firstly if a mum's coming in to me in the early early days and is feeling like that I try and get them to understand that if they can get to six to eight weeks, then more often than not, you're fine and you'll be able to continue and you'll really enjoy your breastfeeding journey. We can't look at a mum who's got a baby that's three, four weeks old and tell her that she needs to breastfeed for two years because she just won't. Yeah, that would scare them straight away too if they haven't come for three weeks. (laughs) Yeah, what's going on? I can't do that. So I just say why don't you have a goal of six to eight weeks? And if you're still feeling this around then, and we've tried everything and we've looked at other ways, can we express and give a bottle at night? Um, Do we need to look at mixed feeding and doing a bit of formula for you? And trying to look at all these different ways, because I'm certainly not one, I'm certainly not a lactation consultant that um, if they don't want to, I just want them to be happy and I'll just help them in whatever way they want to feed, whether that's breast milk, formula, mix, whatever. And so I just say you can get to that six to eight weeks. Most girls are like, gosh, I'm so glad I just continued on for a few weeks. Because most girls can say, yes, I can do a few weeks. So that yeah. would be my main goal. Yeah, my yeah. main and, tip there. And that's just, that's exactly right. Like if you say to someone, we're aiming for two years and they're in tears at four weeks and their nipples are sore and they're just <laughs> going to, they're probably also just going to disengage and tell you what they think you want to hear and then disengage and do something else. Whereas yeah. if you set those small goals in place, and those, you know, can we do two more weeks? Yes, you know. And if you're open to the fact that sometimes people do mix feed or sometimes people do express and, you know, or introduce some formula, if when they can, when mothers can have those open conversations with health professionals and admit that and not have judgment and feel like they're supported, they're much more likely to take on both the advice you give and keep open with regards to what actual plan and journey is going to work for them. 
So I think that's really important yeah. that mums know they can just be honest and actually make a plan that will work for them. And the one they're going to stick to, they don't, you don't want them just to agree because you're on the consult with them and hang up and do something else. Um, you actually yeah. want something that's going to work. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, yeah. which is huge. No, oh, oh my gosh, I could ask you so much more. And I'm like, I'm going to stop myself because otherwise I'm going to use all the questions I can think of. But I'm definitely, definitely, definitely going to get you back on here with, I get a lot of feedback back from episodes two with more questions. So I'm going to have to keep those yeah. in the pile and plan to get you back on again to ask, to share more of your little gold nuggets with this. So yeah, yeah. To wrap this up, I always do with all my guests, I want to know for you, your motherhood journey, what are your top three tips that you've got for mums out there? Okay. So firstly, um, which is something I didn't do with my first two is when you have just had a baby, you need to be really selfish for yourself. So you need to be selfish in that if you're not ready for visitors, don't have visitors. If you don't want someone mother-in-law, mother, whoever, come round and help you and do your laundry. If that makes you feel weird, um, if someone's just pottering around in your house trying to help and they only mean well, just be selfish and keep your baby to yourself for those first few weeks in your home if that's how you're feeling. Some girls really want all the help they can get in the beginning and want heaps of visitors there and some girls can think of nothing worse. So it doesn't matter if people are not going to be able to see your baby on day two. They can wait till, you know, day 20 if they need to. So the first thing would be just be selfish with whatever makes you happy in the early days. Secondly, I would say that an unhappy baby doesn't mean you're going to be having an unhappy toddler or an unhappy child. So with my first child, he was a very unhappy baby um, with reflux and colic and, and just all of that. He just cried and cried for about five months. And I always thought he was going to be this just hard kid for, you know, the rest of his life, but it just changes. And when he got to about five and a half months, he suddenly turned and, and, and was super happy and super easy toddler and is, you know, a great six-year-old now. So I think we can get stuck into, oh my gosh, this child is going to be crying forever. And it's just in reality, it's such a short amount of time. And then the third one would be to try not to compare your baby to your friend's baby or your uh, another baby in the mother's group. And something I was guilty of with my first, and I think we all are, is that, you know, well, how come those mums can go for coffee and leave their babies in a pram and have a coffee and then go for a nice walk and then go home and feed their baby? And I can't because my baby won't go in a pram or my baby won't lie down flat or I can't take them anywhere because they spew everywhere. And then you just get down and down and down because we're just looking at another baby on a superficial level. We don't know what that mum's feeling. That mum's probably looking at us and thinking, I wish my baby did X, Y, Z. So yeah, so those are my three, yeah, my three main tips for new mums. I love it. I was I was sitting there smirking when you said the last one about taking your baby out and not comparing. I had three of my four children had reflux, so that was me. Oh. <laughs> the babies yeah, who yeah. Put laid down in the pram, the babies who vomited at other people's houses on their couches or their floors, oh, and then your friends that have children that just sit there quietly and you know happily sleep in the pram for two hours at a lunch date, and here's me with my vomit rags and my seven packs of wipes in case I have to clean things off the <laughs> floor. So no, I absolutely agree. I'm like, yeah, yeah perfect, because if you do, you can try and compare yourself, and you're never going to stack up to someone else, because you also don't know what's going on 
in, like you say, their life or their parenting yeah. journey. So they're probably also sitting there thinking exactly like you said, like, oh my gosh, why can't I be like that? So it's just this narrow yeah. cycle of everyone comparing themselves and going down that rabbit hole when it's, it's just not necessary. Thank yeah, you again so much for joining me today. It has been awesome. And I know that people out there listening would definitely have been able to walk away with some insider knowledge into some of the key breastfeeding issues because often people talk about benefits of breastfeeding and why you should breastfeed and tips on, you know, latching and things like that. But there's a lot of issues and I've tried to touch on most of them today with you that come up time and time and time again that mums need to know in advance because it potentially will be an issue or it'll be a conversation that you have with someone as well along your breastfeeding journey. So this has been amazing. Susie, for listeners out there who want to find out more about you or contact you, how do they find you on the internet and social media? You can find me at Instagram, so Susie Prout Lactation or www.susieproutlactation.com. And I offer online consults, so whether girls want to speak to me on Skype or they just want to have email consults with me, I do both of those. And then I just give daily tips on my Instagram with just random breastfeeding questions that girls have, little positioning tips and tricks and, and things like that. And it, I've seen, I follow your Instagram too, and I know I can vouch for the fact that you have some really awesome practical and easy advice and tips. And I think that's what people need is just the stuff that's easy to understand and easy to actually work out how they can then put that in place in their own lives. And when you're in social media or, you know, anything like that, you need something simple because you don't have a 25 minute demonstration on what you're doing. You want simple tips. So I definitely recommend yeah. you jump on and keep an eye on oh. what you're doing and read what you've been doing. So again, thank you so much for taking the time. It has been so awesome to talk to you. Yeah, so- no pleasure. I've really, I mean, I could talk for about breastfeeding and supply for days. So um, I know we had yeah, any time. We'd have to keep ourselves reined in. Otherwise, we'd be here all day and be the yeah. longest interview I've ever done because we'd just get carried away. Keep going. Yeah. So I am going to wrap it up, and I thank everyone for listening in. And don't forget to jump onto um, my social media and welcome to Motherhood Podcast, and also comment. And once you've listened. Let me know what you thought, little tips you've taken away from what me and Susie have been talking about today. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Welcome to Motherhood podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted when each new episode hits the airwaves. I hope you enjoyed it and can walk away with a few key take-home messages to help you make your motherhood journey that little bit easier. See you next time.